All right, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tune Under Podcast. We are the Southern Hemisphere's biggest and best and only Newcastle United dedicated podcast out there. Joining me today, I've got Dimmy, who is down in Melbourne. Today, we're going to be talking about the defeat away to Dortmund in the Champions League, but also previewing the upcoming away game in the Premier League to Bournemouth. How are you doing, mate? Not too bad, mate. It's... uh bit under the weather down here, which is not not great when summer's just about to come. But, uh, yeah, it's a disappointing Champions League morning yesterday. And, obviously, we had our issues here in Australia with uh, good old uh, good old Optus coverage where we uh, lost lost internet for the second half, which was not ideal. But, yeah, it uh, could be better Champions League-wise, but uh, otherwise I'm, I'm, I'm doing not too bad. Yeah, uh, we're, not, we're not going to dwell uh, too much on the defeat to uh, Dortmund, game one, because we didn't really see the game due to the lack of internet coverage and uh, poor coverage from Stan Sport, where it just stuttered and lagged pretty much the entire game for when we did get a signal. Um, but also, uh, we do have to uh, acknowledge a defeat, but again, we're not going to dwell on it. We will spend most of the time on uh, the, the Bournemouth preview. But for what you did see of the, the game, Dimmy, uh, that opening first half, uh, was very cagey, very defensive from our point of view, and it just didn't seem like our usual front foot uh, attack-minded game. Do you think we were a little bit nervous, very um, on edge to begin with, given the result back at St. James's a fortnight ago? I don't think it was nerves. I think it was us conserving energy, to be honest. I, I don't know how much we've got in the tank to play two, three games a week, especially with basically the same... 11 or 12 players. So I think judging by the, the lineup that Eddie picked, he left Miggy and he left Gordon on the bench. I think his plan was to get the game as deep as possible at nil-nil and maybe bring those two on with half an hour to go and, and, and see if we can get a win. I think that was his thinking more so than us being nervous or cagey. It, the squad that we've got, we, we would love to go there and, and have a go at them and, and, and attack and play the way we want to play. But, it's just not possible for us to to play like that at the moment, especially with the threadbare squad we have. We we can't risk any more injuries in this squad. I mean, we're we're losing a player more than one player a game now, and we're already down ten or eleven first team players. So, I think Eddie didn't want to risk any sort of muscle injuries or impact injuries in that in that first half, especially. So that's probably why it was a bit more of a cagey performance by us. Yeah, it was, uh, wasn't the performance we normally come, as, come to expect from uh, Newcastle. But, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why Dortmund are also a team that have just played their 150th Champions League game. They are very well experienced in how to see teams like us off, inexperienced teams, teams that know that we have to go there for a win. But it was a, an almost very Germanic performance from them, very organised, uh, very pinpoint accurate type thing. And when they got that first goal, I think you could pretty much tell from the, not necessarily the players, but the overall way on social media and everything I get from what we could see, but that is, um, of how the game was going to go until Eddie made some changes at halftime and done his usual rocket up the backside. And we did actually go for a bit of a fight in the second half. And I'm just wondering with these small little chances that we are missing and across a few of the Champions League games, whether it be a long stuff shot at the end of the ASA game, uh, hitting the bar twice in the game against Dortmund at St. James's, and then Joe Linton with this sitter of a header 
if that had went in, I know you can't really say the game would have changed definitely on there, but it would have probably put us on the front foot and it may have changed the game in our favour. Yeah, that was a huge miss. I mean, Champions League games, they're of the highest quality in, in Europe and you're not going to get countless chances a game. You need to be clinical when you get your chances. And that, that Joe Linton header was a fantastic cross by Tino and yeah. he made a beautiful run into the box between the between the defenders. And, I mean, from that close, he just had to hit the target. He, he hits a target, he scores, and he makes it one all there with 35-odd minutes to go. It, it's a completely different game. Maybe Dortmund get a bit nervous because they've just come off a 4-0 loss to their rivals, Bayern Munich, on the weekend. Maybe... Yeah. Maybe they get a bit nervous and we maybe sneak a second goal. But even if we don't stick at the second goal, a, a draw wouldn't have been the worst result for in my mind. So it, it was a huge, a huge moment that we miss. And across both Dortmund games, you can say that we've had our we've had our moments. We just haven't been clinical enough. It seems we took all our chances in that game against PSG and we're scoring yeah. goals from staff scoring, share scoring a belter. But the last two games we've We've had our moments, but we haven't taken them. And Dortmund, to their credit, have. I just don't think we've shown probably our best performances in the last two Champions League games. And Dortmund, not that they've got lucky or anything like that, they've probably deserved on the balance of play to to beat us. But they haven't seen what we can produce at our best. And it's a bit disappointing that we haven't been able to sort of take one of those chances that, that changes a game. I mean, goals change games more than anything. So... Any of those chances that we take, I mean, if you look look back to that first game, Wilson had a chance, sim- a similar moment of the game yeah. to Joe Linton. It was before the hour mark. It was one on one, maybe eight yards out, and he and he hit it straight at the goalkeeper. I mean, we could be talking about a completely different Champions League scenario if either either of those chances are taken. They weren't, but like you said before, Craig, they're an experienced team in this forum. We're not, and we've just got to take the lessons and hopefully be better in the next game. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it, you know, and I think, I mean, what, what actually, I'm going to come to the second goal and the build-up to it, where it was a pretty flat free kick from uh, Trips out on uh, the, the left, pretty much hit yeah. uh, the first man, they clear it, and we only had one man back, they pretty much had two, I think it was Lascelles who was back for us. Tino, and, Tino. You know, Tino back, and um, yeah, they had, it was a two against one situation, it was pretty much going to be a foregone conclusion what was going to happen there. Do you? put the blame on the team for going that gung-ho, that relatively early stage in the second half when there was still a lot of uh, time to be played? Or do you think it's a case of let's go for the, the uh, get the the goal now and if we concede another, so be it, you know, at least we can say we've had a go. I don't even think we're going that gung-ho. I mean, the set piece was in, in the final third. It was a moment to get everyone up. Tino stayed back. It was more so the reaction after Trippers ball didn't get in the box and they, and they cleared it. There was still, I think, enough time for us to to get some players back. Maybe we didn't have the fitness to get back, or we had we didn't we had mental fatigue, we had physical fatigue. We just couldn't sort of get our get our position back and and, and help Tino out at the back, so he wasn't two on one. But I don't think we were going gung ho and, and saying, look, we have to get a goal here, otherwise we're out and and. Who cares if we can see the second? I think it was more the reaction after the free kick was cleared was the was a disappointing part, and you've got to put that down to in in my eyes to to not only physical fatigue but mental fatigue. These these guys have given a lot for us in the last few weeks. 
especially playing most game, most uh, most days, really three or four days, the same team has been playing. So they look they look physically and mentally cooked, and and that was just another example of of that that they couldn't muster the energy to to chase back when when Dortmund were were pressing. Yeah, it's one of the very few times I'm actually looking forward to the international break coming in now, just so yeah. the players can get a little bit of a break. Otherwise, I hate yeah. the international break. I think we all do. Um, yeah. One concerning point of that game, apart from the obvious defeat, is Wilson going off with a potential tight hamstring. Uh, I didn't. Re- I thought it was a tactical sub at halftime. Again, my coverage of the game was so bad. I didn't realise he went off with a potential injury or it was just a case of um, let's rest him before it gets any worse. Your thoughts on Wilson going off at halftime, and do you think it was more of a precaution, or do you think he is actually injured? I, I think it's probably more of a precaution, to be honest. I think Eddie knows that we've got no other strikers in the squad at the moment. So if there's any sort of risk and Wilson feels a tight hamstring, whether he's done it or not, I, I doubt he's pulled his hamstring. Otherwise, Eddie probably would have said, He's he's done his hamstring. He's going to be out for a few weeks. If it's just tightness, it could just be tightness because of again physical fatigue for playing every three or four days. And we know Callum Wilson is not the player designed to be playing games every three or four days with his body. So that that could be the reason. I think Eddie knows that we can't afford to lose him for any any duration of time. So hopefully it's just a precaution, and and he could. He could play on the weekend, and even if he doesn't start on the weekend, he can give us an option off the bench at least. But I, I, I'd hope that it was just a precaution, and the fact that we're down to literally four or five players on the bench at, the, at this point, that he couldn't take any risk about someone being even even sore at halftime. Yeah, nah. Uh, I think I agree with you on that one. I think it's uh, more of a precaution than anything. And uh, hopefully he's not in Gareth Southgate's thoughts for uh, the England camp. I don't know if the squad's been announced yet. If he, if it has, let us know in the comments below. Uh, otherwise, hopefully he's, uh, Gareth is not in the phone of that one saying, come and join us for the game against Motler and so on. Uh, but game's wrapped up. We lose 2-0. On the balance of play, it was probably a fair result. We did give it a, a go, obviously. You know, we uh, we had the majority of possession. Uh, we ended up with, uh, I believe it was 54% possession on that one. Uh, 10 shots with five on target, uh, four corners. So it's not as if we just sat back, absorbed all the pressure, kind of like what we did at uh, Milan. We did give it a go. Just they caught us on the counter and a well-orchestrated first goal. So, but again, you know, the, the group is still far from over. Uh, it was called the, the group of death for a reason. Uh, not because we are apparently the whipping boys, but any one of the teams could still drop out of this competition altogether or drop into uh, the the Europa League. Uh, so this is the table as it stands right now. Uh, so Dortmund on top with seven, PSG in second on six, AC in third on five, and us unfortunately at the bottom on four points. Obviously, all four teams have still got two games left to, pay, to play. Uh, we can get a maximum of 10 points from this group now with the two games left. Uh, two pretty tricky games, one PSG away and then AC Milan at home. Now, I've done a little bit of uh, maths with this one. And if Dortmund can get a draw, at least a draw against uh, PSG, we can draw against PSG and beat Milan. On the balance of play and the head-to-head, we could still finish second on that one. And Dortmund or Milan would drop into third or fourth respectively. Do you think that's definitely a possibility? 
It definitely is. I mean, there's still a lot of permutations to go. I mean, people are looking at that table, especially after losing two games in a row, thinking, oh, we're gone, we, we can't qualify. There's still a lot of football to be played. And we've got, as we know now, Champions League's not on goal difference, it's on head-to-head. So unless we lose 4-0 or 5-0 in, in Paris, we're going to have the head-to-head on on PSG. So that's that's one bonus. We drew with Milan in Italy, nil also. If we can beat them, we'll have them on head-to-head. It's really only Dortmund that we can't better if we had the same points as them. So I think the best-case scenario for us, honestly speaking, is probably going to be able to get four points. I, I, I find it very hard to believe that we'll, we'll be able to do over PSG twice, especially after we embarrass them at, yeah. at our ground. So if, if we can get a draw against Paris in the next match day, I think that gives us uh, a big chance to to qualify either in the Champions League or, or the Europa League in the last game. And I think that, that would be a, a good result considering the like you said, the, the group of death, but there's still plenty of permutations to go. I don't think anyone would have thought two games ago, Dortmund, who were last, were going to be first after four games. So who knows how this group looks after next match day, but let's just hope by the next time we play, we've got a bit more depth on the bench and a few more players to call back. And we're not having to go with three goalkeepers on the bench and two youth players going against uh, Mbappe and his boys. Yeah, I mean, appointed PSG would be absolutely massive, to be honest, because not only does that put PSG in a very tricky situation going into their last game against uh, Dortmund, it will be. Dortmund away. Dortmund Dortmund away. Yeah. 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 So that final game, if we can get a draw uh, in Paris, could be absolutely massive. And are all final group games played at the same time? Correct. Yeah, I thought as much. So watching uh, that on a split screen could be uh, quite interesting, to be honest. But um, that's a a podcast uh, for another day uh, regarding that one. But we are still definitely in the group. The group is still very much alive. We are no way out of this competition. And even if we do finish third and go into the Europa League, that's still by absolutely a success, in my opinion. Certainly, I've been embarrassed in this competition. We've held our own. And, you know, we beat PSG, who are easily the favourites for this group. And they're by far not uh, anywhere close to qualifying just yet. Um, but we'll call that it on the, the, the PSG game. Uh, we're going to move now on to the, the Bournemouth game, which is down at the Vitality Stadium uh, Saturday night over in the UK. So it's Sunday morning for us. It's a 3.30am kickoff for me and a 4.30am kickoff for you, Demi. As per usual, we will be the two numpies getting out of bed at stupid o'clock in the morning to uh, watch this game as we do normally. Uh, yep. It is the longest trip in the Premier League season for both teams. To give you an idea, it is a round trip of just over 730 miles, which is around 1,200 kilometres here in Australia. They work for funny money here. And that is the equivalent of driving from Brisbane to Canberra. So it's a bit of a distance, it's a bit of a hike in terms of a, a round trip. Uh, but in terms of the two teams so far the season, you're not really going to get uh, two parallels in terms of where we are and compared to them, you reckon? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, they were a tricky team last year, Bournemouth. I mean, we, we played them twice. We we drew one all twice. So I think both times we, we didn't play great and potentially were lucky to get a point both times. But... That they seemed to do decently last year with Gary O'Neill, and I'm not sure what happened with with him. And he he left, and they just haven't been the same team this season. They've been very 
very disappointing, to be honest. And they they look like a team that is going to be fighting relegation all season. And hopefully for us, that means a, a good result down down in the south coast. I know we haven't had the best record down there of late, but hopefully we can turn that around and and get a much needed win before the international break. Yeah, their manager, I uh, don't know much about him, and I can't even pronounce his name, probably want to give it a crack here, uh, Andoni Arola, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, taking a page out of Lee's book and trying how to do that one. Um, but yeah, he, a bit of a stark reality in his first season in the, the Premier League. Uh, they are sat, I think, uh, third from top. We'll actually bring up the league table right now, uh, just to give you an idea of how things are going. So yeah, Bournemouth there sat in 18th place. Uh, on six points. We are currently residing in sixth on 20 points. Both teams played 11 games. Now, looking at Bournemouth for where they are, they are in 18th. Luton just above them and uh, and 17th. Both have got six points. However, even just 11 games in, there's already a five-point difference or a two-game buffer between the relegation zone and safety, effectively. That must be cause for concern for uh, the Bournemouth team and uh, their coaching staff so early on in the season. But... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only there already is a bit of a gap between them and, and, and safety, but their goal difference is, is absolute dog shit already. I mean, they're minus 18 only after 11 games, and that, that's a shocking goal difference. And obviously it's going to get affected when you lose 6-1 last week like they did against Man City. But in, in the bottom three or in that relegation battle, goal difference is is very important. We saw last year that was important for for teams when 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 they went down Southampton, Leeds, they had poor goal differences. So you, you, you've got to worry if you're a Bournemouth fan thinking, geez, have we already dug ourselves such a big hole? I mean, it's only two games. There's a long way to go. But it's, it's not great signs for them, and especially when teams like Everton and, and, and Wolves, who started slowly, they're starting to pick up more points than them. They're starting to get a drift. So hopefully for us, it's not going to be their turnaround game and they, they're going to get a result. They had that big hullabaloo last year. I remember when Eddie Howe came back for the first time and there was yeah. a big song and dance about it. They they were really up for the game. They played really well. I remember that. And I think in the end, we were lucky to get a draw. I think it was one all in the end. So yeah, it was. It's the Both teams are in completely different positions as they were at that time but the only the only caveat you say about us obviously is our injuries and and what squad we can feel down there i think they're definitely fragile bournemouth and they're the sort of team as you can see by that goal difference that if you do get ahead of them they they can collapse and we might may be able to get two or three goals clear or, or maybe even like a sheffield united i mean we're not going to score eight goals but it could be a scenario like that where they completely capitulate if we get a couple of goals ahead early so that's what I think we'd be trying to look for and trying to get ahead of them early. Yeah, I've had a little look at some of their past uh, games so far, this Premier League against the the teams that you'd probably call the, the free-scoring teams, us, Man City, Arsenal, that type of thing. And they've played five at the back, just trying to shut shop early by the looks of it. Now, I'd imagine they will probably go the same this weekend as well. When they've played five at the back against us, we've struggled to break teams like that down. Now, the team has evolved a lot last season, as we've seen. We have been able to get behind uh, defences in that regard. But due to the injuries and suspensions that we've got, obviously there's no Bruno for this game. And he's very, very good 
I've been the key to uh, pick that lock. The team that we're going to put out, and we'll go through a few lineups, uh, alternative ones as well. How do you see us trying to break down this Bournemouth defence if they do go five at the back? Do you think it's going to be a case of pace, uh, clever, clever play, uh, long balls from Shaw, or just try a combination of everything that we've got in our locker? Yeah, well, we don't have too many options, do we? So we're going to have to sort of batten down the hatches and whoever's fit is going to is going to be the option. I think the best option for us to get in behind them is going to be with our pace. I think Gordon, Miggy, maybe even Joe Willock making those runs, they're going to be the ones who are potentially going to be important for us. And hopefully they're not going to be sitting on their penalty box so we don't have that space to get in behind. But, but if they do, I think we need to think about maybe having some shots from outside the box. Maybe Cher comes up and he cracks one from outside the box. I know Gordon scored from outside the box this year. We've seen Miggy do it before as well. I think this sort of game is going to need all hands on deck. And when we don't have a player like Bruno, we don't have Isaac, we don't have some superstar players around the box, we're going to have to try something different. So our, our best option in my mind will be our pace and getting in behind. And if if they are too deep, maybe to have some some more shots than we normally do from, from outside the box. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a strange relax. If they play five at the back, I think we will struggle. Um, just because we are a better team than last year, but a lot of those better players, or the players that have evolved since last year, they're just not around at the moment. Um, so again, the likes of Isak, obviously Barnes is a new addition this season as well. Murphy, who was playing really well now, has to be out for a, a period of time. Bruno not being there as well. Tenali suspended too. So there are some significant key players going on. But again, we can't just whinge about players missing because it's all about the 11 players on the pitch that need to do the job in front of them. But you said using the pace of Gordon. Now, Miggy got the goal uh, last season by, uh, I think it was a shot from Joe Linton, keeper spilled it, and uh, Miggy put it in across the keeper, went to the keeper's far post. Miggy playing off uh, the, the shoulder of the defender Seems to work pretty well in terms of him picking up those scrappy goals. You got one fairly similar against uh, PSG. Could this be the type of game where if they do even go with four at the back, where Miggy can expose that again? I think so, yeah. I think Miggy's very good at getting in behind and he's got electric electric pace. And even though he's got that one move where he cuts it on his left every time <laughs> from the right, it seems to work because he's been scoring goals doing it the last year and a half. So... I think, yeah, you're right. Him playing on the shoulder is very important. We, we are going to miss Bruno because that triangle between Bruno, Trippier and, and Miggy does work very well. Hopefully, whoever steps into that role, we'll talk about in a minute, can continue that. But I think it's going to be important to feed Miggy as early as possible when they're not set because that's that's where we may be able to get some get some joy in. And like you said, five at the back, four at the back. Whatever it is, we can't complain. We're just going to have to break them down. And if we want to be the team that we, we think we are and, and a European aspiring team, these are the sort of games we have to win. doesn't matter who we put out in the park. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bournemouth, they are, as we've already uh, talked about, they are pretty much fighting for the uh, Premier League survival already. They do need to come out and fight. I can't imagine their fans are just going to sit back and just be happy if they try and play for a draw. At home, even if you're down at that end of the table, you should always go for the win, in my opinion. 
Yes, we are. They are playing Newcastle who are again a free scoring team. I think we are still the highest scoring team in the league, more or less. Man City overtook us last week with a big victory of theirs. Um, so we definitely have goals in our locker. I think we are ahead of where we were at this stage last season in terms of goals scored. Um, so that is an, an obvious bonus. But in terms of the lineups, we've got two coming right here. Now, one is with Wilson playing. Now, obviously, that could be very doubtful. And until uh, Eddie gives his presser, which will be uh, tomorrow for us, we won't know for certain. But Eddie is normally quite cagey in his press conferences anyway. Um, do you expect the whole, we'll do a late fitness test and see where he's at comment from Eddie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Eddie... Eddie's press conferences are a laugh at the best of times. He he doesn't like telling the truth, which is fine. He doesn't want to give the advantage to the yeah to the opposition. But uh, I'm pretty sure last week when someone asked him about Murphy, he said, "Oh yeah, he's he's getting treatment, and uh, we're not sure how long he's going to be out for." Next minute, he's on the bench and he comes on after an hour. So I'm not sure what Eddie will say about Wilson, but I, I can un unless he's pulled his hamstring and he's definitely out. I think there's going to be a cagey response from Eddie saying, yeah, we're still assessing him. He, he hasn't trained or we'll see how he pulls up. But hopefully, hopefully for our sake that uh, Wilson can give us, give us something on, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, so uh, a win down at the Vitality Stadium, we've all got to the lineups, bring the table back up. We can go up to fifth. We can overtake Villa, depending on how where their result goes. Uh, not sure who they're playing this weekend. I uh, haven't quite had a chance to look at the, overall fixtures. Uh, but yeah, we could go up to fifth. We could go two points off a Champions League spot, which in terms of where we were at those three-game stage, where we had three games on the losses, the position we're in is just about perfect for where we expected to be 11 games in, you reckon, Demi? I, I think so. I mean, obviously we started slow. We we lost three in a row at the start of the season when we lost to, to Brighton, Liverpool and Man City and everyone was, was sort of panicking when we had three losses after four games. But I think if you said to anybody, we'd, we'd have 20 points after 11 games and sitting in sixth position, I think everyone would be very happy with that. And again, our goal difference is fantastic. It's the second best goal difference in the league. Yeah, There's not much to complain about, to be honest, with how we've gone so far this Premier League season. Probably the one game was the Liverpool game is still going to be sitting in everyone's gut because we should have well and truly won that game. But, I mean, looking at that points total, there's not much else we could have expected, I think, especially with the fixtures that we had. Not much else we could have expected uh, at, the, at this stage of the season. Yeah, and one other thing as well. Uh, Longstaff is one yellow card from uh, one game suspension. So if he was to pick that up in this game here, he would miss the Chelsea game. After the international break, he was picking the Chelsea game. He'd missed the Man United game. Hopefully, he doesn't miss either, and they can go on to pick it up at some other time. But um, these injuries and suspensions are racking up kind of quick, like on the mid. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, look, you're right about the international break. It's come at a great time for us. Hopefully, by the time that Chelsea game comes around, we've got at least another two or three players back. So if Longstaff is suspended or if someone else is injured or suspended, we can cover that off. But you're right, it's a revolving door, that injury and suspension door. It's just never-ending. And that January transfer window can't come soon enough, I think, for us. We're going to need some some reinforcements because the the boys who have been playing week in, week out are going to be absolutely cooked by February or March if, if they don't get a rest. 
Well, if the other 19 teams go about it, they'll uh, have more laws and rules passed that any team <laughs> that plays in black and white or is from the northeast of England that is called yeah. Newcastle United or plays at St. James's Park won't be allowed to sign anybody from anywhere else in the world unless it's from the Northern Conference League somewhere. Because that rule that they're wanting to bring in but not being able to sign players from the Saudi League is absolute bullshit. Um, going a bit off topic on this one, but what are your thoughts on that potential rule and try and keep it PG. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, the, the big six are again, just scared of us, aren't they? I mean, this sort of stuff's been going on for years. I mean, Frank Lampard signed for New York city and then signed for Manchester city. Watford and Udinese have had an agreement between those two clubs for years. And they used to loan players back and forth for ages. Wolverhampton Wanderers used to be, sold or loaned every Portuguese player in the world at one point because of that relationship they had with that dodgy agent. So th this sort of stuff happens all over the world. And the fact that other big clubs or so-called big clubs, big six clubs are threatened by us getting a couple of players from the Saudi league on loan is, uh, is ridiculous. So look, judging by the way they've treated us previously in terms of this whole post-takeover uh, scenario, it looks like this will go through and we won't be able to get the likes of Ruben Neves on loan, which will be unfortunate because we need bodies. But it's just another sign that people are threatened by us. And if that's the way they want to do it, let them do it that way. We'll, we'll, we'll find other players and we'll we'll get around that. But yeah, it's, it's just petty bullshit, isn't it? It really is. Absolutely is. Tell you what all that Saudi league needs to do is just release him from his contract with saying him on a free. Then we we loan them back to them, uh, you know, yeah. whichever way they want to go about it. There'll, there'll be some uh, loophole going around, which uh, no doubt Piff have uh, tried to look at and whatever. But yeah, you're right, it is absolute bullshit, and they are running scared because, as we've said many times, the beast is awoken and he's just about getting ready from his slumber. And when he is fully awake, this club's gonna hit the big time. Um, but getting back to where the Bournemouth previews, they were slightly say track with that one. Going to go through uh, two lineups here. So the first one is with Wilson in the lineup. I'll run through this. So uh, back line is Pope and goal. Trips out on the left due to Target and uh, Byrne both being injured. Lascelles, Shaw is the two centre-backs. And Tino out on the right. Willock, Joel Linton and Longstaff making up the midfield. Gordon uh, out on the left. Uh, Wilson up top. And Miggy out on the right. If Wilson is fit, will this be your preferred eleven? Yeah, definitely. I think it was good to see Lewis Hall start against Dortmund. I think that was more due to the fact that they wanted to keep Miggy and Gordon on the bench, A, not to get them injured, and, and B, to keep them as their super sub. But I think our best back four is definitely Tino and Trips in the two full-back positions, whether they're whether Trips is right back or Tino left or, or vice versa. I think that's the, that's the best back four. And in terms of the midfield, the midfield picks itself because – they're the only three real fit midfielders we've got besides young Lewis Miley. And then the front three as well picks itself because they're the only three forwards we've got in the squad left. So I think that that would be, if Wilson can start, that'll definitely be the 11. Yeah. If there is even the slightest doubt about Wilson, would you even risk him for a place on the bench? Uh, I would, only because there's an international break coming up. So... If, if there was another game coming up next week, I would say no, let's not risk him. But if 
if he's declared fit enough to to play even half an hour, I would I would keep him on the bench for that half an hour because we may need a goal in the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And if you remember the game against West Ham, the one we drew to all, he was on the bench that day and he was only supposed to come on in an emergency situation. And that ended yeah. up being Isaac's injury, which he's still out, which he's still out for now with. So I think that I think Wilson should be there unless he's hundred percent done his hamstring. I think he should be there as an emergency because Wilson at 70, 80%, for 20 minutes is going to be better than any other 17 or 18 year old youth player who's never played in the Premier League before. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you on that. The only thing that is quite worrying, if he isn't quite 100%, you look at what happened to where uh, Joel Linton a few weeks back when he came back early, he went off literally five minutes after coming on. I think it was the Brentford game, might be wrong on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously, Isaac as well. Jacob Murphy. Isaac, yeah. Yep. And Jacob Murphy, he went off after just a, a few minutes against, um, I can't remember now, uh, in the, against Arsenal, yes. So that is a potential worry for me, bringing players back too early and then getting re-injured, which means they spend even longer time away. If there's any shadow of a doubt for Wilson, don't involve him at all, in my opinion. If he's fit, then, yep, put him on the bench, put him in the starting lineup, do whatever you would see fit. Um, but genuinely, if there's any shadow of a doubt, I wouldn't even risk him because we don't really know when Isak's back. Um, I know Eddie said after the international break, but that could be close at the Christmas, could be whenever, we really don't know. And I do yeah. not want to run the risk of having no striker up there. And I don't want to use the emergency uh, loan market if we absolutely have to, or the, whoever's on the free transfer list as a free agent, whatever, because that them players just aren't going to be cutting it for us. But that is with Gordon in the lineup. Now, you put together a starting 11 if uh, Wilson isn't available. And I'll let you run through this 11 right here for you, Matt. Yeah, so the back the back five is is the same. The, the change that I would make if if Wilson is out would be bringing Lewis Miley into the midfield and, and pushing Joe Linton into the front three. And, and that means Gordon becomes our number nine or false nine, if you like. And probably, again, we don't have many more options than that. That's probably the only option we can make at this stage. But I think Gordon has shown that he can play that number nine role and and play off the shoulder as as Miggy does. And that Joe Linton and Willett combination has worked well, especially last yeah. year, on the left-hand side. So that wouldn't be the worst option for us. And and Lewis Miley, look, he's, him himself is coming off glandular fever, so he, he can't be 100% fit. So... Who knows if he can even start? It could be Matt Ritchie starting. God help us. But oh, that's what that's how I would go. I'd go Lewis Miley if if Wilson isn't fit. Miley for his first Premier League start, and and then get Gordon as the number nine. Any reason why you've admitted Lewis Hall from that potential midfield? I'm not sure Eddie wants to play him upfield because he he started him from memory in the midfield against. Man City in the cup game. And I think he quickly moved him back to left back because he was a bit out of sorts and not sort of in his right sort of frame of mind or position. So I, th I think Eddie wants to bet him down as as a left back. And we've seen his his roles for us since then have only been as a left back. They haven't, haven't been on the wing or haven't been in the midfield. So for me, I think Miley has looked comfortable, even against Dortmund, the what what we saw from him against Storm, and he was very good on the ball, comfortable, 
calm and what we saw on the in the preseason as well. He was very calm on the ball. So he wouldn't look out of place in the midfield for me, Miley, and I think he would give us the best option in terms of that midfield three. Yeah, I mean, as everyone on the podcast knows, I am pretty much Lewis Miley's biggest fan. I think this kid is going to be an absolute superstar for us. Um, and I would love to see him get at least half an hour's worth of game time. And with the the bench being as thin as your hairline, mate, you know, it's uh, it's going to be literally a case of uh, who gets on maybe because of injuries. Because we've seen in one of the previous games where Eddie, I don't think he made any subs. You know, he made or just one. And it, as if he just didn't trust who was on the bench to see the yeah. game through. Do you think that could again be the case here? Because again, we've got the international window coming up, and those players can have a set rest. I think so, especially if the game's going in our favour, or we're holding on to a a one goal advantage. I don't think he's going to want to put on players just for the sake of it. He's very big on structure and and keeping the right system going forward, and he won't just throw players in for no reason. So, although we might want to see the team rotated at points, I think he's going to try and especially if the game's close, keep to that standard or that core 10-11 players that he's been using and seeing how much you can get out of them, especially with a with a two-week break coming up. Yeah, it, it's... Well, the international break is coming at the absolute perfect time for where he has. Um, now, one other thing from the uh, the lineup. Now I'm just going to bring it back up again here. I was meant to uh, mention this before. You, you would have the option, if you wanted to, and I know we've had this discussion many times before, keep maybe Gordon on the left and play Joe Linton up front. Yes, he's not a natural striker. We know that. Although he was signed as a number nine, as a striker, but that is by far not his best position. But it's probably not Gordon's best position either. Is there a reason why you didn't go with Big Joe up top, knowing how good he is on latching onto those long balls from Shaw? I think the the long balls that he latches on, I think he makes his runs usually from out wide, not not as a straight striker. Right. So if you remember his runs, he's always coming from out wide. He even did one against Dortmund where he was clear on goal if he controlled it and he just didn't control the ball. So I think that left wing position is the best the best for him and especially with him and Willick, they can swap. They've played together a lot last season. So I think that would be the best for him. And Gordon, for me, is more so that annoying play that defenders probably don't want to play against. He's going to be buzzing around and playing on the shoulder. Joe Linton might make it a bit easier for them, if I'm honest, whereas Gordon will be a lot a lot tougher task to mark. Yeah, the, the one thing I don't think we'll see much in this game if Gordon does play up top, if Wilson uh, is omitted from the squad, is I can't imagine there's going to be many crosses coming in. Uh, Gordon's not really known for his uh, his aerial threat. So I'd imagine if there are going to be any crosses, they're going to be low rather than high. But I'd imagine a lot of the players are going to be in and around the box, on the floor, shots coming from outside the box, like you said, if they do pack uh, the penalty area. Um, so, yeah, long balls may be kept to a minimum in this one, unless maybe Big Joe does play up top, where we all know his aerial threat is normally uh, pretty decent. So we'll see how Eddie wants to go with this one. It should be uh, a feisty game. Um, Eddie returning back to the vitality again, along with uh, Mad Dog. He will get a good reception on there. Wilson, as we know, may or may not be uh, going back to his former stomping ground. Matt Ritchie is also a, a former cherry as well. 
And I don't, don't probably remember Matt Ritchie's equaliser in that uh, 2-2 yeah, game a few years back. What a goal. In the 94th yeah. minute, whatever it was, on a volley from yeah. across. Yeah. I, I love the fact that he celebrated that goal and all the fans spilled onto the pitch and everything like that as well. That was a cracker. And uh, the last time we won there was back in the COVID season, I believe, with um, yeah. Cabbage when we won 4-1, with uh, Lazaro scoring the fourth. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> I don't know what he's doing now, eh? But, um, yeah, so... Good using. I'll, so, <laughs> I'll, I'll, that's another thing. Yeah, we wore a bright orange kit that day. Now, one other thing as well, there is talk that we have to play in the uh, the cursed Saudi kit again due to... We're not going to be able to play with the black and white stripes because of the obvious colour clash. And I think the, the kit that I'm wearing now um, is going to be too dark uh, for it to be a uh, noticeable difference in between. Or be it's some random pattern as opposed to stripes. But the bright green is going to be the obvious one to stand out against their red and black. This whole cursed Saudi kit thing, it started off as a bit of a meme and as a bit of a joke, but it's now dragged on. I think we only won one game uh, last season wearing that kit, and that was away at Everton. If we do have to wear the, the green kit in this one, it'd be kind of nice to get three points down on the south coast, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it was a bit like that, the, the Saudi kit last year, and and obviously this year it probably hasn't been great for us either. So, look, I don't care what jersey we wear, to be fair, as long as we get the three points, that's that's all that's going to matter. I think, I think the blue kit wouldn't clash, to be honest. I'm not sure why that's an issue, but... If we have to wear the Saudi kit, so be it. Let's just hope we can get the result and it won't matter what kit we wear. I'm sure plenty of Newcastle fans will be getting the kit off if we win. Yeah. And, uh, last time I watched a Bournemouth game, it was pissing down, but that never stops us from uh, shirt over the head, giving it the old twirly, just like you did on that video you sent, uh, getting your chest pubes out on show. <laughs> um, but yeah, it will be uh, should be a cracking game. Hopefully the players are up for it. The players are refreshed. Hopefully Wilson's fit enough to start. And hopefully we can come back and continue our unbeaten run, uh, stretching that to uh, eight games, a uh, current run of seven. And hopefully we can pile more misery on Bournemouth by taking three points back to Tyneside. Now, before we wrap this up, Demi, I'm just going to get two predictions from you. One final score and also first goal scorer. I'm going to go with a 2-0 win. And the first goal will be scored by Miggy. Miggy again down on the south coast. Well, I've been thinking about this. and It's either going to be a really close game like it has been for the last two, or it's going to be so open, almost the, the likes of Sheffield United away type thing. I'm going to go 4-0. Oh. Yeah, 4-0 away win. I think we'll score early. And I'm going to put a... Me black and white cap on Yaron say Anthony Gordon with a hat trick. We haven't had a hat trick hat trick goal scorer for a long time, so we're yeah, due. Uh, um, was Ayose Perez the last person to score hat trick for us in yes. the Premier League? And that yes. Southampton game it was against Chelsea. Was it Southampton? Chelsea, or was that was Chelsea it? game? That yeah, the last oh, game of the year was it there? <clears throat> Maybe Southampton. Whoever but it was, was definitely St James's Park. Yeah, it was at St yeah, James's Park. Remember. I remember that. It was definitely Perez. I just can't remember which game it was. But that tells you how long yeah. we've been waiting for yeah. a Premier League hat-trick. Um, big dog came close against uh, West Ham when he hit that one against the post, um, yeah. which could have won with Wilson's a game on had, that one. Wilson's, Wilson's had, had a few. He's had many doubles. He's had a lot of doubles. Yeah. He just hasn't scored that third. 
Yeah. So a hat trick would be very nice, and it would just make um, Gordon's stock rise that little bit further for an England call up. But please don't go. We don't want to get injured. <laughs> no, don't go. Um, stay away we'll from England. Yeah, we'll, we won't let him leave. No, we'll, we'll chain him to the gate at St James's if I have to. And, uh, yep. But uh, yeah, if I'm going to go four nil, Gordon with a hat trick, and you're going two nil, Miggy with the first goal. Yep. Yep. Perfect. So either of those uh, do come off, then obviously it's a case of uh, Nostra Craigie or uh, Nostra Dimi back in action. We will see. But let us know your full-time predictions and first goal scorer in the comments below. Uh, we will wrap that up for uh, this episode, Dimi. Uh, we will see everybody again on the Bournemouth Review Pod, which should be out sometime on Sunday night for us or maybe Saturday morning for everyone watching back in the UK or wherever you are in the world. But uh, thanks for joining, Dimmy. I'll let you uh, get off to bed now. Whatever you plan on doing, you are an hour ahead of me. So it is, what, pretty much 9.30 your time. Uh, I'm going to go and have something to eat. I am absolutely famished, mate. Enjoy the rest of your night. Good luck with the tune on Saturday, and hopefully we can bring three points back to Tyneside. Cheers, mate.